This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the special November 23rd episode, and we, as always, remain dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we welcome in Neil Dutton, fantasy football scribbler for Rotoviz, number fire, and Roto Underworld. Has done amazing, amazing work across multiple sites. Great fantasy mind, and one of the funniest people you will absolutely find in the fantasy football community. Great writer, great mind, has done so many work here for Rotoviz and across all these sites. He's the perfect person to come in and take us through Thanksgiving, the key Thanksgiving games here coming up. Follow him on Twitter at ndutton13. Neil, from across the pond, how you doing, my friend? I'm very, very well. As you say, the, the perfect person to bring in for Thanksgiving, considering it doesn't affect me. Uh, I <laughs> right. I, 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 I don't celebrate it. It has nothing to do with us. You know, you ungrateful colonials with your 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 your, your strange holiday, uh, right slap bang in the middle of the week. No, but uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to always a pleasure to be back on. You know, ruining the show within two minutes. It's great. Folks, he's raring to go. A refresh and replenish, Neil Dutton, is fantastic for everyone. We are going to push, folks, the Thanksgiving game analysis to the end of this podcast. So if you're listening to it right now on November 23rd, we can get into the games for Thanksgiving. We'll do those at the end, and that way when this is dropping on the main feed, which it will do this Friday, you can just stop after we get to that point. So let's start with a, a little rapid reacts here from Week 11. Get your thoughts, Neil. First game. Saints 24, Atlanta 9. Not going to bury the lead. Taysom Hill takes over for the Saints. No one believes him except for head coach Sean Payton, and he gets two rushing touchdowns, guides the team there to a very comfortable win. Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas actually cracks 100 yards. Looks like he's finally back here. So your thoughts here on Saints-Falcons, one of the big games from Week 11. Well, I mean, we can't argue the fact that Taysom Hill went out and played the full game at quarterback. It wasn't a gimmick. He wasn't sprinkled in. We didn't get, you know, the constant, you know, constant amusement of the commentators describing his package, ho-ho, as the game went on. <laughs> was, you know, was he great? No. Was he terrible? No. He was okay. I mean, obviously, from a fancy point of view, he does give you that rushing floor. Um, Neil, did you Neil, did you see that throw that he let up there to Emmanuel Sanders that died and Sanders had to come all the way back to get it? I mean, listen, it was a tough throw, but that was a microcosm, I think, of what we saw. That was pretty bad. I'm, but, I mean, this is where we could argue that maybe he's a right-handed Tim Tebow, uh, which, you know, <laughs> let's, let, let's be honest, that's what we've all been crying out for for the best part of a decade. <laughs> And obviously, it was good that, you know, it did seem to, I say, unlock, uh, you know, on Michael Thomas. But you're bound to unlock Michael Thomas if you target him on 52% of your dropbacks. You know, see, so you know, that is bound to bulk up his statue. I mean, they, it was only against Atlanta, so it will be interesting to see what they can actually do when they have to play against an actual NFL defense, which, you know, which, bless them, the Falcons are some way short. But for what you wanted, I mean, Especially if you play Taysom Hill as your tight end, then you're absolutely cock a hoop this morning. If you played him as a quarterback, 
again, you're probably okay with what you got from him. It's just a question is, can he build on this? Or is this a, you know, is this the best game he'll ever play? Because it's interesting. I was listening to um, the Over the Cap podcast, and they were saying, he, uh, Jason, who runs that, was saying that basically by not playing Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston can't go to free agency this, you know, off-season and command $20 million a year. Whereas if, you know, he doesn't play now, maybe the Saints, who are in absolute salary cap hell next year, maybe they can convince him to come back for the minimum again. Whereas if they played Winston now and he plays three games and, you know, passes for a 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, even if he loses a spot when Drew Brees comes back, he's getting overpaid in free agency. So by doing this, it's almost like a cost control way of keeping both of these quarterbacks for next year, which I think if it is clever, if it's if it's true, it's diabolically genius from Sean Payton. Yeah, it really is. That's a great, great point. I did not think of that. You know what's interesting is I put this on Twitter. Coming into this game, Alvin Kamara had never scored a touchdown against the Falcons. And now in this game, he does score, but he does not have a reception. Is that a concern moving forward? Or do you think that's just a byproduct of, of the first game with Hill and they'll, they'll right the ship here? I would hope it's a, you know, a, a situation where the ship can be righted. Because obviously, you know, Michael, Tom, uh, sorry, Alvin Kamara has gone through his career by playing in one fewer game every season, but still having exactly 81 receptions. Which he's now back on on course to do. Like, you know, despite you know, he was averaging six or seven catches a game with uh, Drew Brees, but Taysom Hill, maybe if he's going to be the scrambler, we have seen you know, historically scrambling quarterbacks don't tend to target their running backs very often. I would hope that Drew, uh, not Drew Brees, uh, Sean Payton and Taysom get together and it is pointed out to him in polite terms. No, you will feed him. This is what we want. You running is all very well and good, Taysom. If that's what you want to do, that's lovely. You feed him. You know, we, we've we lost that many running backs that we picked early in draft this year. We're not having one stay healthy, but be phased out of his offense by a gimmick quarterback. You know, maybe it just is part of the plan to get him to finish with 81 receptions for the fourth consecutive year. Maybe that's really it. Moving on, Seattle 28, Arizona 21. This one, Neil, was from Thursday night. There was a lot of talk about MVP. Russ is the favorite, certainly right now, although he's got some people coming up on him like Patrick Mahomes. Kyler Murray certainly played very well in this game. He was a little hampered. He got injured early. So talk about this one. Seattle 28, Arizona 21, a game Seattle really needed here. Avoided the old three-game losing streak. But Kyler Murray doing a fantastic job this year for the Cardinals. Oh, absolutely incredible. I mean, I thought coming into the season and based on what we saw last year and probably the limited amount that, that I actually watched him in college because I don't watch college football. I really, you know, the time NFL games are on, I can't control the television and that this late in this country uh, with right, college right. games as well. I thought he was a, <clears throat> excuse me, he was an athletic quarterback. But what we've seen this year is he's a quarterback who runs, which is obviously an important distinction to make. Yeah. You could argue that last year, Lamar Jackson is, you know, a he's he's the opposite. He's a running quarterback, and we're seeing his struggles this year. I mean, all you know, who'd have thought that all it needed for Kyler Murray to take the next step was adding one of the best wide receivers in the game? Who would have right. thought it was that complicated? <laughs> um, I mean, as you say, Russ started out the season like a man on fire. You know, the the narrative, you know, that he's never had an MVP vote. You know, well, that's going to be put to rest. Oh, he's going to walk it. He's fallen off dramatically after the first three weeks of the season. And, you know, while he's he's almost impervious to a normal touchdown rate, he's always thrown them at a higher rate than everyone else is allowed to. The rate he was at was, was going to be historical. Now it's just down to very good. And because he's actually on course to set career highs in interceptions as well, I think if, if Patrick Mahomes just keeps doing what Patrick Mahomes does, that he's going to get the MVP, even though Russ, it could be, you know, look, it was 40 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Yeah, but 40 and four, uh, 40 and four and a 15 and one record over there. Um, Kyler's just been, you know, he's been the ultimate, you know, he's taken that leap that we, everyone seemed to hope he would do. So he's, he's going to be next year's, how early do you draft him? Because you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, and looking at Russ's weapons, this is fascinating to me. I mean, the debate with Tyler Lockett, 
here at Rotoviz and really across the fantasy community, people have loved Tyler Lockett, and they've always said the connection with Russ, even though if you look at the numbers, Neil, he is a little bit up and down. Now, this year, the debate coming in in the preseason was Metcalf or Lockett. Now, Metcalf has clearly taken hold as the lead wide receiver, but I use the Rotoviz Stat Explorer, which is a great tool here at Rotoviz. If you look at the production for Tyler Lockett this year, it really is a heart rate monitor. He had 17.2 fantasy points, 19.737. Then from there, 5.9, 8.4, the explosion against the Cardinals, 53. But from that point, 7.3, 8, 11.6, and then 21.7 this week. Has the baton been just passed to DK Metcalf, or do you see a couple more boom weeks for Lockett? Because I feel like if he doesn't boom, he really does disappoint in seasonal leagues. This is the problem. We used to have the, the fact that he was underutilized, because obviously they refused to let Russell Wilson pass the ball. But when he w- did get the ball, he was ridiculously efficient. Now we're starting to see that the efficiency is dipping a little bit. And if that's you know, if we see efficiency drop, then in fantasy circles, what we need to see is volume increase. But it's not, and this is the worry, you know, that you have DK Megatron on the other side, you know, uh, who's just, yeah. you know, just it's just an absolute, you know, is a beast. And you know, I, I'm sure that the day that JJ Ortega Whiteside actually starts to look like a wide receiver, I'll be able to look at DK Metcalf and say the Eagles didn't need him. Uh, but, you know, until that day, I'll just cry into my beer at every passing moment. And he just looks, you know, incredible. He has, again, has taken a huge leap from one year to the next and looks like a legitimate weapon. I mean, if, even if the Seahawks don't, they don't have to pass it 50, 60 times because we're seeing that Metcalf can have, you know, huge numbers with, you know, six receptions or six targets or four receptions. It's almost like, as you say, he's taken on the the, uh, Tyler Lockett role of he's not going to get peppered with targets, but he's going to be ridiculously efficient with what he gets. I have not forgiven Arthega Whiteside for a half-ass block on that Miles Sanders run against the Ravens where Sanders got tackled, fumbled, and our, and then Ortega Whiteside gets the fumble recovery in the end zone. I mean, just a half-assed effort there really burned me because I had Sanders in so many leagues. But I agree. And the other part of this game, which is very important, talk to me, Neil, about Kenyon Drake versus Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake not involved in the passing game anywhere near what he was last year when he came over from Miami. That was a reason for a lot of preseason hype for Kenyon Drake. That has not happened. He's still getting touches. He's not doing much with them besides the Cowboy game where he had the big explosive run at the end of the game. Drake Edmonds, rest of season, who do you got? I I still want to take uh, Chase Edmonds because we've seen him be dynamic uh, in both phases of the game, you know, rushing and receiving, whereas Kenyon Drake – Despite going on Twitter at the start of the season with you know your face when you draft me in fantasy, you've not lived up to that, uh, Kenyon. And you know if you're going to make bold claims yes, on social media, yes, you, yes. You, you have to back them up because idiots like me will remember them. Um, especially you know when we have situations like, ooh, Kenyon Drake's fallen to the third round. I'll have yeah. some of that. No, you've ruined my yeah. draft, Kenyon. You you have ruined my draft. Um, I, I just think Edmonds has got more juice, and you know moving forward. I mean, there's very little chance now that Kenny Drake's going to be in Arizona in 2021. So heartbreakingly, they're more incentivized to just run it into the ground now, um, even though we're, we're then banking on Edmonds being efficient with what he gets left over, whereas Drake will just plod along. Very true. The next game I want to talk about, Tennessee 30, Baltimore 28. Derrick Henry, Neil, is a grown-ass man. That's what he is. He hammered the Ravens yet again like he did last year in the playoffs. I have to ask you, and this is a fascinating situation with the Ravens because Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, the the Ravens secondary struggled with A.J. Brown, who also came on late. The Ravens have a game coming up against the Steelers, and that spread is only three and a half points. Can the Ravens rally the troops here against Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving? This is really a key question because Tennessee, I thought the Ravens were going to roll and get right, and they did not. They just can't stop Derrick Henry. No, I mean, it's bad enough when Derrick Henry's coming your way and you know that he took you for 200 yards in the playoffs and then you don't have Brandon Williams, you don't have Calais Campbell. You know, you're probably two best run defenders. Well, what, what could go wrong? There's absolutely no reason there. And as you say, they just, they seem to be that team. 
that is, you know, it's it's a barrier for for the Ravens. They just can't get past the Titans. And um, the worry is uh, the offense for the Ravens just looks boring. It, it's not exciting. It's not inventive. It doesn't look like it. It looks like last year when they were doing things that worked. It's almost as if they've decided. Do you know what? We won't do what works. We'll try and be different. Yeah, but you're no good at being different. You know what I mean? It's just, they've done it all season long as well. They refused to commit to a running back. Now, Sunday, they decided, finally, okay, we're going to give the bulk of the carries to J.K. Dobbins, which is great. Dobbins looked okay. He wasn't fantastic. But now you have this situation that's breaking, you know, just about an hour or so before we start recording that. J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are on the COVID list. Yeah. So yeah. you'd have to say, unless it's a false positive, which we haven't seen too many of during the season, they're not playing against the Steelers. So basically you're going to have to saddle up the Gus Bus against one of the best defences in the league. I'm good. So I just I worry about the, the Ravens because the defence doesn't look like it can stop teams like Tennessee. And, you know, I think, you know, despite the fact that the Steelers are... They want to pass the ball and sprinkle in the run. I think they're going to be able to attack the Ravens. And if the Ravens lose, then they can't win the division. In week 12, their division hopes have got gone. They're out of the playoff picture now. They're behind the Browns in their own division. They're behind the Colts. They're going to go behind, obviously, the Titans. This is, you know, this essentially could be the season for the Ravens because the Steelers just look ridiculously strong. Um, you know, it's a flip it to the other side, though. I say, Derek Henry, if aliens ever come, and, you know, to this planet and say, for the survival of mankind, we will play you at, you know, a game of football, we're screwed when Henry ends up on their team because he is an alien. He's a freak show. He he shouldn't be allowed. And age, I said before that you know DK Metcalf is this generation's um, Calvin Johnson. Well, AJ Brown is next generation's Terrell Owens. With you know, with with better hands, although he has dropped a few lately, he just when he decides he wants to score a touchdown, you cannot stop him. He's going to take you all into the end zone with him. He's a freak. The only thing stopping him from being an absolute superstar is the fact that the Titans want to hashtag establish the run. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Steelers' schedule. He is an alien, by the way. Boy, that Ravens game is going to be tricky. Now they may have to postpone it or play shorthanded. Neil, listen, we talk about undefeated teams every year, and everyone always says, oh, they're, they're, not, they're going to go undefeated. They never do. But let's take a look at this schedule for Pittsburgh. Baltimore on Thanksgiving, maybe. Washington at home, at Buffalo, at Cincinnati, no Joe Burrow. We'll talk about that in a moment. Home Indy and at Cleveland. Neil, the only game I can see if this Raven game goes the way we, we think it is with a limited player is at Buffalo. After that, man, they could go undefeated. They could. I mean, we've seen in the past that the Steelers, you know, the phrase that uh, gets bandied around a lot is they play down to the level of their competition. And we've seen that once already this season against the Cowboys. They look very sluggish. We thought maybe, you know, similar track game the weekend against the Jaguars. They looked professional. So you don't look at this schedule and say, well, they'll lose that game because they always lose that game because they don't look like they're going to. So I'm with you. The one for me that you, we mark on the calendar, not just for Pittsburgh, but also for Buffalo, it is that Bills game. Because that's the, OK, Buffalo, you've looked good for most of the season, but you've had a few duds. How good are you? And if, you know, it, that's that's the game because that's, you know, when the, the surviving members of that Miami team will be around watching, you know, waiting to see if the 16 and 0 Always. gets up. Ah, part of the champagne, yes. Yeah. Um, but I say that will be the game because that's a referendum on can you go undefeated or are the Bills truly ready for prime time? But other than that, that's the only, unless they decide they don't want to go 16 and 0 and they pull all their starters and we're treated to Mason Rudolph yeah. in week 17. Then even then, you know, we saw last year they can still win with defense. So that's the Buffalo. It's it's Buffalo or not at all. I, I tend to think. Yeah, and don't come in with Indianapolis. Philip Rivers in the cold at Pittsburgh. There, that is not happening to me. That's another one, I guess. But I, I just don't see that coming because Rivers will have to pass because their run defense is so strong. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. The football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. 
Right now, Derek Carr is absolutely dealing the football, making it a shootout every single game, and it's probably going to be another one against Atlanta this week. So you're going to need four quarters of energy, and Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RV Radio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Last one here from this week, the one that just happened. Chiefs 35, Raiders 31. Look, very impressive. Patrick Mahomes gets the ball back. Minute and a half, he's down. I think he went down the field, Neil, in 40 seconds for a touchdown. Travis Kelsey standing wide open in the end zone. But I do think the Raiders played well here. I was very impressed. I thought this would be a big Chief win. The spread was 7.5. They did not cover it. More impressed with Kansas City or Las Vegas here? I think you have to be more impressed with the Raiders. And and most specifically, you have to be impressed with Derek Carr, who's quietly having a ridiculously efficient season. He doesn't turn the ball over. He does... He's now taking a few more shots downfield. I mean, who would have thought that all he needed to unlock his deep passing game was Nelson Aguilar? If, if that, that, that was I the know. answer. That, you know. uh. um, but, I mean, he throws a lovely deep ball. He just, um, he, just, he just wants everything to be perfect before he throws it. And, you know, he left the field up on the Chiefs. He's done all he can. And then he has to sit there and realise, oh God, Patrick Mahomes is just going to, he's just going to ghost walk through this defence and then we're not even going to cover Travis Kelsey. Because why would you? The the Raiders have, have really impressed me this year because, and you know, as an Eagles fan, this pains me to say it, the Raiders know who they are on offence mm-hmm. and, and they know what they have to do to win. And you know what the you know, the last few games. I mean, this is I think this is Carr's most passing yardage in about a month because they've just leaned on the ground game and it's worked for them. But he's shown that against maybe lesser opponents than the Chiefs, he can do enough through the air to beat teams as well. So we we expected that I expected the Chiefs to win because Andy Reid coming out of a bye is a cheat code anyway. But for the Raiders to put up as many as they did and to come off the field in the lead, I think is very, very encouraging for them moving forward. You can't teach that segue, folks. We have a a question here from Daryl on the Cliffs. He knows, that Neil, that you are an Eagles fan, and he wants to know what's wrong with the Eagles. He feels they're super talented. They should be hitting their stride. They can stop the run. They have Darius Slay on defense. They're getting their offensive weapons back. Sanders is healthy, but they just can't put it together. Talk about your Eagles. Um, so how long have we got here? Three, four hours? Uh, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm to go. the problem with the Eagles is, I say the problem, the problems with the Eagles are Carson Wentz isn't the worst quarterback in the NFL, but he's playing like him. 
Um, they go away from the run game far too quickly. The run game against the Browns was working perfectly. Then Sanders, um, and Miles Sanders fumbles on the five-yard line. I'm not saying they punish him because obviously he still kept getting the carries. But they obviously decide, okay, well, the ground game was working, then it didn't. So we'll go to the passing game now in a monsoon you know, with, you know, a banged up offensive line and, you know, wide receivers that Carson Wentz doesn't really trust. But it's okay because uh, we've got Dick Rogers at tight end. I just think that there is nothing going right for the Eagles at any level of that organisation. And I go from Jeffrey Laurie down to the kit man. In fact, I'll throw Swoop the mascot in as well. He's obviously not not pulling his weight. I just, <laughs> there's, there's just too many things wrong that you can't fix in the season. Carson Wentz last week wasn't doing enough to win the game, but he didn't look like he was going to lose it. And then this week looked like a man who was determined to lose it. I'm not totally blaming him because he has, you know, the offensive line has been rejigged and messed around and moved. And Jason Peters is holding the Eagles hostage, so he's going to play left tackle. Jason, it's over, mate. By by playing, you're delaying your Hall of Fame Kansas City a year and probably tarnishing your record. The wide receivers, it's Eagles just seem to have a blind spot with wide receivers. I'm not saying Jalen Rager is a terrible player. I'm just saying at the moment, what we're seeing from him doesn't really help the fact that C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, they looked, and Jerry Judy even, they look so good. It's just a mess, and this team just doesn't know what it wants to do. And, you know, just, you saw a few weeks ago, there was a press conference. Someone asked Doug Peterson, what is your identity on offense? And it was the most convoluted, um, you know, I'll use the phrase, bollocks answer I've ever heard in my life. It was listening to it. I read the transcript. I listened to it again. I still went, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like a, you didn't answer the question. It's a, did you even understand the question? <laughs> so I, I just, I just worry that, the worst thing that I think could happen for the Eagles is that they win the NFC East because change won't happen then because people look at kid themselves. Oh, we'll just run it back. No, no, run everyone out. This, this is this is pathetic. Contract-wise, Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback in 2021. Well, we're not benefiting anything by anything. Not benefiting in any way seeing him at the moment. So maybe just say to him, tell you what, Carson, We'll, we'll have a rest. Or even just during the game, just say, OK, it's not working. Come sit down. Because at the moment, it's painful to watch. I'm in the 2012 Eagles level of apathy. In the, I don't even know. You know I'm just, I, I just don't care anymore. It's the, I know the game's on. And it's, you know, there's a Hugh Laurie song. You know, where if you see me laughing, I'm laughing to keep from crying. And at, t- and at times yesterday, I'd say this, I was absolutely wetting myself. I was laughing that much. Um, it's just they're just a mess. The, the that 2017 season was a huge blip for everyone because everything worked. My esteemed co-host on the Waxing Lyrical Remains and Ducks podcast tells me that if you win the Super Bowl, you're not allowed to complain for five years. Well, balls to that. No, 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 I'm saying balls to that. I want to complain because it's terrible. Folks, we are in week 12, and everything Neil said is spot on. And to illustrate that. If Seattle beats the Eagles on Monday night football, assuming that happens, any one of these four teams can be in first place next week. The Giants travel to Cincinnati against a Joe Burrowless Bengals team, and the Cowboys and Washington play. So next week, any one of these four teams could be in first place, assuming Seattle beats Philadelphia. Um, it really is unbelievable. And talking about Burrow, Neil, what do you think here about Joe Burrow? Just a terrible injury, really operated behind a rough offensive line that got their starters back last yesterday against Washington, but he's out for the rest of the year. They now have Ryan Finley. What's going to happen to this offense? And, and talk about Burrow's season so far, which really under the circumstances was pretty darn good. It was good. Um, what the Bengals did regards protecting him and putting out an offensive line to hashtag protect him was gross organisational malpractice because this is the problem now that you have with if you are picking first overall in the draft there's a reason you're picking first it's because you're not very good and if you're not very good that means the players you have on that roster are not very good so to just plug a quarterback in to a team that and I repeat is not very good when you don't have an offensive line He's very dangerous. Burrow was, you know, 
it's it's weird. I I looked up these stats and it it confused me a bit, but then I actually worked out what the where my confusion was. He was Joe Burrow was twenty first among all quarterbacks in terms of pressure rate, but he was ninth in sack percentage and third in total sacks taken. So what that means is Joe Burrow doesn't feel pressure; he gets taken down. Because other ones, other quarterbacks, they you know, oh, I'm pressure, I can get rid of it. Joe Burrow is under that much pressure that quickly. He doesn't have the option of getting rid of it. He just hits the floor, and to you know, to ask him to drop back and pass as often as they did, I and mean, he's leading the NFL in pass attempts. You know, as a rookie behind a terrible offensive line, the Bengals don't deserve, don't get nice things, and they don't deserve them. This is, you know, I lend you my toy, but if you bring it back to me and it's broke, you can't play with it again. They should not be allowed first-round picks. Their first-round picks over the last six or seven years are all been disastrous. And, you know, with Joe Burrow going down now with, you know, the legend that is Ryan Finley coming in. I mean, we, we saw Ryan Finley last year. He started three games. He completed 47% of his passes um, for two touchdowns and two interceptions. And he took 11 sacks. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. He was sacked on 11.2% of his dropbacks. That is incredible. It, it, you know, it's we, he's going to, and you know, as I say, the offensive line has not got better, so it's going to absolutely destroy everyone on this team. Tyler Boyd was having a nice season. Yeah. You're going to have to devalue him. T. Higgins, great rookie season. The, the, you know, the signs there similar to what Andy Dalton had with AJ Green. You hope that maybe the ceiling are a bit higher for a uh, Burrow. Nice partnership there. Joe Mixon hasn't had a great season, bit in and out. Um, you know, they have no tight end of consequence. AJ Green awoke from the dead last week, but he's been a passion most most weeks this season. And now it's just you just look and think you're not going to win another game. And you know, it's unfortunate that when are we going to start talking about quarterbacks playing at Washington, by the way, and getting catastrophic injuries? Because it's beginning yes. to concern me. You thought the NFL learned with David Carr? He got beat up down with Houston for so many years that they just figured, okay, we got to protect him. If you're going to pass that many times, Joe Burrow's back there, it's target practice, and it's really unfortunate. I hope he returns better than ever. What I want to know is, you bring so much energy, what do you have for breakfast in the morning? What's your go-to when you wake up? Well, one of the um, one of my achievements, as it were, during this incredibly uh, bizarre year is, um, while we've been on lockdown and I've been working from home, I've actually uh, lost about 30 pounds. Wow. Uh, pounds in, in your money, um, you know, two stone in ours. Um, yep. I basically, um, and people have asked, you know, oh, what's the secret? Are you eating this? Do you, you know, is it more vegetables? Is it more fruit? No, it's complete not a self-denial. Uh, basically, <laughs> I've, I have not been full after a meal for about six months. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm recording this, you know, you know, breaking, you know, breaking the fourth wall and peeling back the curtain. I'm recording in my kitchen right now, and I can see. I can see all our cereals. I can see all my potato chips. I can see bread. And I'm what cereal is there? What cereal is there? This is a big question on the mailbag. Well, we have honey hoops, they're called, <laughs> uh, cornflakes and rice krispies. But I don't eat any of them. What I have for my breakfast is I have these uh, breakfast biscuits that uh, you know they have little bits of uh, ch- little bit of honey. What is it? Chocolate chips, the honey and nuts in them. And that's about 200 calories, and that gets me through to lunchtime. Because well, I'll tell you this, I'm, I, if I have to have breakfast, it's and usually this will be if I'm going to be having a long day, shall we say, on the uh, you know on the daddy pops, and then yeah. you know I want you know I want sausages, I want bacon, I want mushrooms, I want hash browns, and I want black pudding. That is what I want. Well, you figured out how to solve the weight issue. Can you figure out what's wrong with the Detroit Lions? I mean, they get blanked by Carolina, one of the worst defenses in the entire league yesterday. I know no Kenny Galladay. I know no Amendola, no Swift. They had the flea flicker to Marvin Jones that was called back. Uh, Matt Patricia, is he going to last? Will he be back next year? Well, I hope not. Um, but he's, he's the latest in the Belichick disciples who fails. I think it's because while Belichick may teach these people everything they know, he doesn't teach them everything he knows. Great one. And then these people come back and they fail spectacularly. The one big thing, I mean, aside from having a buffoon as your head coach, one of the major problems they have is that Matthew Stafford does not look like the same player as he did last year. And if you you know you use the the of his game splits app, 
which is you know fabulous app, and obviously one of the one yeah. of the many great apps we have. His numbers all across the board do not look good. I mean, last year he only played eight games, but in those eight games, he was averaging 312 yards, 2.38 touchdowns per game, and 25 PPR points per game, so fancy points. This year, um, his attempts are still at 35. Uh, his completions are down to just over 21. His passing yards are down to 258. And his touchdowns are down to 1.7. And, you know, his interceptions have creeped up as well. He doesn't look the same player he is. His numbers, obviously, again, if you think Kenny Golladay out the team, which, you know, Kenny Golladay is a very good player. I've been a huge fan for a very long time. His numbers without Kenny Golladay you know, over the last two years, they just crater. He's played 13 games with him. He averages 298 yards per game. Five games without him, 241. So it's it's an offense that just seems to be, if Stafford and Golladay are firing, we're okay. If Golladay isn't there, we're screwed. And, you know, ultimately that comes down to the offensive staff, which comes down to the coaching. And Matt Patricia has not been a very good head coach. Hopefully he won't get another job. And hopefully he'll be gone. It's just a question of when the next guy comes in, is he being brought in to fix Matthew Stafford or is he being brought in to move on to a new era? That's what worries me. It's very similar to Matt Ryan with Julio Jones. When Julio's there, Ryan's good. When he's not, you saw what happened yesterday against New Orleans. Seven and three surprise, Neil. The Browns, they've gutted their way through this year. No OBJ. Baker's basically a game manager. Chubb is back looking like a, a robo back yesterday, knocking people over. Kareem Hunt's jumping over everyone. And Rashard Higgins is relevant. What do you think of the Browns here? Again, they know what they want to do. They, they, they have an identity and they conform to it. I mean, their last three games, you almost have to throw them out because although I think they've gone 2-1 in the last three games without um, Odell Beckham. They've all been played in a monsoon. Which you know, also it's it's well, how, how do we you know how, how do we separate this from the rest of the season? The first seven games this season, you know, they they average like twenty twenty eight points per game. In the last three, they've averaged twelve. You know, two point six points per drive, one point eight. But in the last three games, two and one, Baker Mayfield doing no harm. He hasn't thrown a, a touchdown. He hasn't thrown an interception either. So it helps, you know, you've got, you know, a dynamic duo at running back. You know, Nick Chubb is, you know, a, he's another full-grown man. He stiff-armed one of the Eagles defenders on Sunday. It's like, Nick, my God, that man's got a family. You know, please, you know, show some consideration. And they've shown, that I say, Kevin Stefanski has come and said, this is the offense I want to run. Has Baker Mayfield been the best player he could be? No. Is he staying out of the way while the offense works? Yes. So it seems to be working. I mean that's bad news for Baker Mayfield. You know, moving forward, he's not going to be getting he's not going to be getting a fifty million dollar a year contract anytime soon. But they're seven and three, and as Scott Hansen on Red Zone was, you know, was, I think he said at least four times. I heard if you if you are seven and three, you're going to the playoffs, and that was when only six teams went. You're seven and three now when there's a seventeen playoff. You're going there, and you again you look at their you know end of season schedule. They have a chance, you know, to, I mean, to finish above Baltimore. I mean, if the Browns make the playoffs and knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, Mike, that, that's, I'm not being funny, that's a, that's a cause for celebration in the good city of Cleveland. You know, that's the ultimate double wham. Even if they go out in the first round, you know, that's the ultimate stick it to the man. Um, as I say, teams that know who they are and they, you know, can execute at a high level, a high level, they can execute at an adequate level at this stage of the year. Your mistakes are going to cost you more than your victories will gain you. And if you just limit the amount of mistakes you make, good things can happen. Week 17 game, Browns hosting Steelers. Steelers may have everything wrapped up. Maybe they play, maybe they don't, you know, the full starters. And that game could mean everything to Cleveland in a lot, a lot of ways. So that's really interesting there. Gosh, if they knock the Ravens out, that would be unreal. Uh, I'm curious, Neil, what's your music? What's your rock band? What's your music of choice here when you're working out, relaxing, meditating, whatever you do? My my good friends will um, will say that when my the question of my musical taste is brought up, they will vomit and walk away. Um, I am ridiculously middle of the road. I don't have any you know strong allegiances to any one band, any one singer, any one genre. It's one of those you can name a group or a singer. I probably like something they've done. Um, I, I mean, one, one thing that I, I do like listening to, I like covers. 
But I don't just like cover versions of songs, you know, where someone says, I'm just going to do my impression of that song. I like it when people take the song and do something new with it. That's why, like, one of my, my favourite bands is actually, they're, they're called Hayseed Dixie. And they do, like, country versions, and proper, you know, Dixie versions of all kinds of songs. Like, they do a version of, like, Painted Black. Um, they do a uh, cover of Comfortably Numb. And it's, you know, bluegrass, you know, banjos and everything. They're wow, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, I did see them in concert before the lockdown happened in this country. One of the best gigs I've been to. It was just incredible because it sounds so different. You obviously know these songs and you're singing along, but it's like, this sounds incredible. But, I mean, I have this annoying habit of when we go somewhere and it is offered to me, I will do karaoke because I think I can sing. I don't <laughs> think I can, but I think I can. And it's also that karaoke is one of those, it's not about if you can, it's about if you will. And if, you know, if yeah. the spirit takes me, this is why if you're going to get up, you have to sing something that everyone will sing along with you. You don't want to be going up and singing a, you know, tear-wrenching ballad because you're going to ruin everyone's night. So you've got to go up and sing something that everyone will sing with, with you because that will mask your own terrible performance. I have a daughter. You have a daughter. What's the best thing about having a daughter? Uh, the best thing we thought about having a daughter was having two of them. Um, so yeah, that was always the best yeah. one. Um, yeah. I think the best thing is it's the it's the voyage of discovery that every day is. Because I always assumed that, you know, if I was to be blessed with a, a son, you know, Neil Jr., I'll call him, although I've never called him Neil. My, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a first name that sounds like a command. You know, why would I wish to inflict that on someone else? Um, and I, I always just assumed that, that basically, I just pass on everything I want. So, you know, and they do it. You know, if I want to watch the cricket, they'll watch cricket with me. I want to watch the American football, they'll sit and watch that with me. You know, when I'm when they're of an age, they'll drag me to the pub. They'll drag me home. But with a yeah. daughter, it's I find out all the things that they actually like doing and they want to do. And you know, it's it's nice that you know my eldest daughter does like watching the NFL with me a little bit. She doesn't know what she's watching. She just likes, you know, likes the colours and the uniforms and that. But it's finding out all the things that they like doing and watching the programmes of things they want to do and picking them up from school and saying, and what did you learn at school today? And then saying, I can't remember, uh, even though it was yes, 20, you know, yes, 20 seconds right. ago. Um, I'd say, I'm, you know, I, I'm a proud, you know, girl dad. Um, because it's every day you do learn something, even though you don't learn it from them t uh, directly. Uh, perfect. Let's take a look at some uh, waiver wire pickups week 12. I, I felt like this was the time machine, like back to the future here. Get your thoughts on a couple of players. First one, James White. Okay, Rex Burkhead goes down. He gets carted off, you know, more than likely probably done for the season. James White has been a PPR stud here so many years in a row. This year, of course, had the, the untimely passing with his parents and had had a rough year all around. But, you know, he had a good game on Sunday, and this could be the sign of things to come here for the last few weeks. What do you think of James White? I think I say in PPR format, it's not a terrible pickup. We, we have seen that the Patriots are pathologically opposed to throwing to Damian Harris. Uh, they just don't want to do it. You know, Harris, you know, going into Sunday's game, it looked like this is the perfect matchup for him, that maybe he doesn't need to be involved in the passing game because he's going to get 20, 25 carries. They decided not to, for reasons best known to themselves. And um, so if there's no Rex Burkhead, so if it's going to be a one-two punch, you know, David Harris takes the first, the early down work, they sprinkle in, a, you know, a bit of white, but he's the main receiving back, then, you know, as a you know, as an RB three flex option moving forward, he's got a decent floor. Obviously, that floor we've seen over the years has been with Tom Brady. But it was interesting that at the weekend, Cam Newton didn't run, and you know they they didn't want him running, so they relied on his arm, which hilariously came up short. You know, if you're going to throw a hail mary, throw it into the end zone, Cam. Yes. Um, yeah. If you know if they're going to take you know short dump off what's offered to them, then James White's not the worst option going forward. Next one here, Michael Pittman had a big running catch there against a good Packers secondary. That was coming off over 100 receiving yards against Tennessee. Michael Pittman here looks like the wide receiver one. T.Y. Hilton is dust, no? 
Oh God, yeah. And Hill, you know, bless him. He, he's out there. He, he's running what you know what many people call the Chris Hogan plan. You know, he's running routes on every single snap, but he's not getting the ball. And you know, that's probably a good thing at this stage <laughs> of the game because he's not doing anything. Um, the problem with Pittman, I, I like Pittman. You know, he's come in, he's shown. You know, he's good after the catch. You know, he's, he doesn't look like he's going to drop many. The problem is the Colts' offense want to get everyone on the roster and everyone in the stadium involved in the passing game. I mean, I think I think three times this season they've had double-digit players catch the ball. It's, you know, the great, you know, Scott Pianowski said on the Yahoo podcast, Frank Reich, when he orders 12 donuts, he wants 12 different donuts. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't have a favourite, so he wants to spread it around. So it's unlikely we're going to see Pittman get a 8-10 to 10 target game. We're just banking on him being efficient with the targets he had. Because as good as he was against the Packers, he only had three receptions you know, for 66 yards and a touchdown. It's just a question of, you know, we, we bank on him to do more with the limited chances he's getting rather than trusting that T.Y. Hilton will do something on his. And my last question here, I'm going to give you five tight ends, Neil, that are available in under 50% of Yahoo leagues. I'm just curious which one of these five you like the best rest of season. Robert Tanyan of the Packers got back on the scoring board this week. Jimmy Graham coming off a bye of the Bears. Dalton Schultz, who scored also in that Cowboys win over the Vikings. Jordan Reed, Frankenstein, back with the Niners. Or Jordan Aikens down in the Texans. So again, Robert Robert Tanyan, Jimmy Graham, Dalton Schultz, Jordan Reed, Jordan Aikens. Who are you picking? Well, I mean, as much as I want to pick, you know, the Dalton connection, because apparently on Sunday, that was the first time in NFL history, (laughs) a quarterback threw a touchdown to a receiver whose surname, sorry, whose first name was the same as the quarterback's surname. So that's obviously, you want to get behind that type of, you know, statistical oddity. But for me, it's Jordan Reed. Um, I mean, I agree. I agree. As someone who, you know, devotes an awful lot of his, you know, rapidly diminishing time on this earth to writing about tight ends, next year I'm not going to bother coming out and saying this is going to be a great year for tight ends. I'll just come out and say this is going to be crap. And maybe people, maybe some of them will break through because it's it's been painful. Um, Jordan Reed, when we've seen him, obviously without George Kittle, it's unlikely we're going to see Kittle again this year. I don't think there's any incentive for the 49ers to rush him back. When Reed is there, he is getting targeted, so he is commanding the targets when he's on the field. And Jordan Reed has been a you know a pleasant little bounce back story. I mean, he's had a few injury problems even this season, but at least they haven't been concussions, which has obviously been the massive thing that's affected him throughout the course of his career. Um, they don't. I mean, without seeing the schedule in front of me, I don't think they've got a terrible schedule moving forward. But even so, we've seen that that. That roster is absolutely decimated. You know, the yep. Eagles look at the 49ers and say, oh, you've had some injury bad luck. Um, whereas Jordan Reed is only really going to compete with Brandon Ayuk, um, Debo Samuel. But again, we don't know about Debo for the rest of the year. Um, then you've got Kendrick Bourne or Richie James. They're not special. I mean, I know Richie James had a good game the other week, but really, you know. So I think of that group, it's 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 a very uninspiring group. And speaking of someone who say who has to look for lesser own tight ends as a streaming option every week, it makes me sick. It, it legitimately does. When you see how many court, uh, tight ends are owned in more than fifty percent of leagues, you realise how many fantasy managers have literally just said, "Look, I just need to take as many shots as possible and get someone." Uh, but yeah, I like Jordan Reed. I'm not going to go overboard and say he'll be a tight end one for the rest of the season. But I think he'll do enough with his opportunities that would make you feel slightly less worse than the others will. Time for redraft lightning round. I'll give you two names here. Tell me who you like better this week, week 12. Let's start with some wide receivers. DJ Chark against Cleveland. Obviously, rough quarterback situation, but a beatable secondary. Or Allen Robinson with, I don't know who's going to be throwing him the ball, Neil, at Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. It's me. It's, it's my turn to play quarterback for the Bears. Um, I, I've, I've got a flight in a few minutes. Um, I, I will I will take Chark because even though the the play has fallen off dramatically since that first pass that he threw to DJ Chark, um, this 75-yard completion from Jake Luton, I just, at least I know that Jake Luton is looking for DJ Chark. I don't know what the Bears are doing. 
And it breaks my heart to see any time, because it's brought up an awful lot, the list of quarterbacks that Alan Robinson has played with at college and the NFL level. I mean, Andre Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, who've, yeah. you know, who've been, you know, who've had passes thrown to them by some of the greatest collection of Costco night managers that the NFL have ever seen. <laughs> Even they look at Alan Robinson with a, dude, I'm really sorry. So I will take Chark just because, I, I, as odd as it sounds, I trust Jake Luton more than whatever the Bears are going to trot out. Same game here. Keenan Allen for the Chargers or Stefan Diggs for Buffalo? Uh, I'm going to go Keenan Allen. Um, I do like Stefan Diggs. I think he's been sensational. He leads. I think he, when he last took the field, he was leading the NFL in receptions and receiving yards. But I just love the way that Justin Herbert just is going to target Keenan Allen no matter what. Whereas I think Josh Allen still likes to, while he likes to go to Diggs most of the time, he also likes getting John Brown involved and Cole Beasley and maybe you know trying to do something with Gabriel Davis or someone like that. Justin Herbert wants to get the ball to Keenan Allen. And, you know, Keenan Allen, you know, has been fantastic this season. He signed a contract before the start of the season. He's been one of the rare stories this year of someone signing a contract and deserving every penny he got. Absolutely. Looks like the Dolphins are staying with Tua here, at least to start. Devontae Parker against the rivalry with the winless Jets. Or Robbie Anderson heading to Minnesota. Looks like DJ Moore now is getting more targets. Who do you like, Parker or Robbie Anderson? Uh, I'll take um, Devontae Parker. Robbie Anderson, who started off fantastically well, but I don't think he's cleared 50 yards very many times since week one. I don't think he's scored since week one. He's doing what his offense asks of him, but now, as you say, we are seeing DJ Moore rearing his, you know, rearing his head up and saying, hello, I'm still one of the best, you know, young wide receivers in the league. Throw me the damn ball. Um, so I, I just prefer Devontae Parker. Uh, he's not going to get, you know, a boatload of targets himself unless Tua is, uh, is benched again, in which case we know that Fitzmagic is just going to YOLO ball until the cows come home. And the last one, stud running back. Who do you like better? We have Miles Sanders at home against the Seahawks or Derrick Henry, keeping it going here as we get into December. Derrick Henry traveling to Indy. Um, I will take uh, Derrick Henry because I can't in all conscience recommend anyone take anything about the Eagles, even my standards. Um, I don't want to be accused, even after what I said earlier, of being blinkered about the Eagles. And I just think we're into that time of year now, as you say, as it starts to get colder, this is when Derek Henry, you know, you know, throws his cigarette away and says, Okay, time to go to work. I mean he's he's had a fantastic season anyway. Oddly, people might think he's been a bit disappointing. He's got the most rushing yards through the first 11 weeks of the season since Ezekiel Elliott in 2016. Wow. wow. And people think that he's been a bit disappointing. Fine, you, you've been disappointed? Well, you're not going to be. His playoff schedule for the rest of the season, is, you know, his playoff schedule at the end of the season is frightening. If you can get Derrick Henry, you have to. But especially this week, the Colts have been a tough out for running backs all season. But I just cannot bet against Derrick Henry as November turns to December. Thank you, teacher time here, Neil. Thanks somebody in your K-12 years, a teacher you had growing up that had a really profound effect on you. Someone here I want to look back and say, you know what? Thanks so much for all the hard work. I always found history interesting. But in, in just a case of, OK, I've got to sit in a history class for an hour till I can go home until um, I was... It was doing the exams we call GCSEs in this country. So I was going I was going to be 16 and I had a history teacher called Mr. Biven. And he was the first history teacher that I had who you could tell cared about the subject. You know, he was fascinated by it. He wanted you to be fascinated by it. And that came across. And there were some people in our class who they took the piss. You know, they, they weren't really paying attention because they weren't going to pay attention to whoever was teaching them. But I did. I bought in. And the way he taught the subject, it fascinated me. And that's what I went on did. I did that at uh, university. I did history. I'm still fascinated by history now. So Mr. Biven is, for me, the best teacher I've ever had. And, you know, every time I pick up a history book or I read about something, or, bless her, my eldest asked me a historical question, I always think about him. 
Uh, perfect example. That's a great one. Let's take a look at DFS now. I'm looking for a cheap play at each position. Somebody here who maybe is not a top play, but you think could have big upside coming up here in week 12. So let's start a quarterback here. Obviously, Taysom Hill was the man last week. Who do you like this week? Um, well, it's it's falling on from Taysom Hill. It's, you know, which quarterback is the best? Which quarterback is the best in the, in the NFL this season? And the answer is whoever's playing Atlanta. So I will go with Derek Carr. I say we saw last week you know, what he did against the Chiefs. The, the Falcons are just terrible on defense. And Derek Carr, obviously, they're going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and establish that. But Derek Carr is efficient when called upon. So you know he's five thousand seven hundred on DraftKings. Probably going to be ridiculously. You know his ownership probably going to be very high. So probably he's probably more of a cash play than a tournament play. But I had a bet with my esteemed colleague um, Maisie. Uh, he didn't think Derek Carr would last the season. As the starter, and I said Derek Carr will play, will start at least ten games. Well, he started his tenth game on Sunday night, so I've won that bet. So I will forever be in Derek Carr's debt. Uh, I'm having a just eat meal sent to me, or an Uber Eats, wherever it is. So I haven't worked out what it is yet. Um, so I will always go. I will, I will back Derek Carr all the way, five thousand seven hundred. I made my first lineup last night, and my quarterback was Derek Carr. Absolutely agree. How about running back here? It was tricky. Had to fade Alvin Kamara this last week. Dalvin Cook smashed, of course. Ezekiel Elliott was solid. You have a low, cheap RB play? Um, I, I don't know how cheap it is compared to the rest of me. Obviously, you're not going to pay. You're going to want to pay up for running back. But Kareem Hunt is still only 5,600. Now, his yards per carry was abysmal against the Eagles. But for the most part, the Eagles actually played the Browns' ground attack quite well. It was only until Nick Chubb decided he wanted to start bullying people that the defense started to break. Um, and Chubb, uh, sorry, Hunt, he did get the looks at the goal line. So, and plus we know that if they are going to pass the ball to a running back, it's more likely than not going to be Scream Hunt. So for 5,600, I don't think he's the worst option. Perfect. And then let's go to wide receiver. Tell me you're stacking Derek Carr and Nelson Aguilar. I, I don't see why you, you know, obviously you're not going to, he's not going to be your wide receiver one, but why wouldn't you? You know, we've seen what everyone does against the Falcons. Nelson Aguilar hasn't had a big play for, you know, about 20 minutes. The only bad thing is we may see some PTSD from Aguilar. Some of his worst games as an Eagle came against the Falcons. You know, that was the, the classic one. It was a drop he had after that. That the gentleman from Philadelphia was catching babies, you know, and catching them, yes, not like yes, Aguilar. Yep. Um, so I just think that he's in line. He hasn't had a touchdown for a few weeks, and you know he's not going to get you know, ten receptions, one hundred fifty yards. He's a three receptions, seventy-eight and a touchdown guy. So for you know for the cheap, cheap price you can get him, he's a very, very easy stack in a game you want to be attacking. I'm still kicking myself at tight end. I had Dallas Goddard in. I took him out because of weather concerns. Went with Logan Thomas. Just a disaster. Who do you got this week? A cheap tight end play. Uh, 3,600. I like Jordan Reed. Um, again, it's, it's not a great matchup. Uh, I think they're playing the Rams. But if we're going to mm. go on volume and tight end, all you really need to be a viable tight end option this year is a pulse. Uh, and uh, you know, and a playing contract because you're going to see the field. And you know, so if we have the touchdown upside, you know, maybe he can you know get five, six targets, thirty six hundred. I think that's all pretty much you can ask a tight end. Give me the week sixteen surprise player. I'm asking you to look in your crystal ball here. Who's the player in week sixteen? Wide receiver, running back, who knows? Tight end, somebody you think can really swing fantasy championships, much like Deion Lewis did a couple of years ago, coming on week eleven and so in dominating. Is there a guy out there? Who do you think? Well, this is dependent on you know if Joe Mixon doesn't come back mm-hmm. and he sits the rest of the season, and Ryan Finley doesn't look like a newborn gazelle learning how to walk while playing quarterback. The Bengals are playing the Texans in week sixteen. Yep. And that's, as I say, that's a terrible run defence. We've seen this year that Gio Bernard, when Joe Mixon doesn't play, he's averaged 15 PPR points per game. Now, I know that's not a lot. It's not tremendous. It's not a running back one. But in a situation like that, where the Bengals are probably going to be forced to say, look, we cannot put the ball in Brian Finley's hands too many times, they may actually feed Gio Bernard. And I say, against the Texans, week 16, if you have the space and you get it in as you're running back two, as you flex, that could tip you over the edge that week. Where, as you say, we've seen unlikely heroes emerge, like Dion Lewis, people like that. So maybe, you know, it, it could be Geo's time. But it is, of course, dependent if Joe Mixon doesn't come back. 
Now let's take a look at these Thanksgiving games, then we'll get you out of here. Houston at Detroit. I always like Detroit. Calvin Johnson seemed to have two, three touchdowns on every Thanksgiving game with Detroit there. You got Deshaun Watson, big one over New England. Houston, Detroit, give me a little rundown here. I think if you took away the results, which obviously we don't do because they are quite important to the standings, you're hard-pressed to find a quarterback or many quarterbacks who've been playing better this season than Deshaun Watson. And I know that the Patriots' defence this year is not the defence we saw last year. Obviously, they've been beset by injuries and abstentions. And he put on a clinic in the first half against New England. And we've seen that, the Detroit Lions' defence, to call it listless would be a promotion. Uh, to call it hapless would be a you know probably suitable description. And, you know, Detroit, you know, it's, they get this, you know, this marquee game on a Thursday, the first game we see every year. And it's the one that we're watching going, I might not watch the second game here. Oh, no, I will, actually. It's going to be better than this crap. Um, so I just think it's, it's hard to look past the Texans, even though they've not been any great shakes this season either. At least they're frisky. Uh, which, you know, you know, the, the day the Lions are frisky, which, oh, it's so odd. You look at the, they're four and six, I think. And, you know, and, you know, four and six, there's teams in the NFC East that are looking at them with those four wins and, you know, they're gnashing their teeth with jealousy. Yep. Um, yep. But it's, it's a game that I, I want as many pieces if, you know, you're going to play in the slate or you've got the starters for the Texans. You're going to want them in this game uh, because I just think the Lions, you know, the, the, the Lions are dead. They just haven't stopped moving yet. Legendary battle here, Washington-Dallas. Both teams, as I mentioned earlier, alive. Who do you like better? You know, Dallas has a lot of talent on offense, except for quarterback. But, boy, they should be better here. Cowboys at home, Washington, who do you got? Um, This is one of those games, you know, I say as as an Eagles fan and with, you know, friends who are Washington fans, this this is the – this is the case of the movable force meeting the resistible object. You know, it's like Alien versus Predator. You know, whoever wins, I lose. Um, because, I mean, the best result for me, obviously, would be a tie, because it would help the Eagles. But then I remember, I yeah. don't want anyone to help the Eagles, so I actually want both these teams to win. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think, you know, to, yeah, I would lean more defensively. It's not even close. Uh, Washington have the, the superior unit. The Cowboys' offensive line looked a bit better against Minnesota, but then I remember that Minnesota don't have a defense either. So I'm going to give the edge to Washington. I just think that there's still enough. Isn't it great that Alex is back? You know, the Alex Smith story. And they've got Terry McLaurin as a beast. I don't think Dallas can, can live with him. And I'm starting to really, really like what I'm seeing in Antonio Gibson. If we just see a bit more of him and a bit less of J.D. McKissick. Um, one of the, you know, one of the signature Washington games over the last decade or more was on Thanksgiving in the Robert Griffin rookie year. Uh, where they went into into Dallas and cleaned the clocks for them. I don't think it's going to be a situation like that. But we saw last year that Dallas, in the bright lights of primetime on Thanksgiving, they they soiled themselves, should we say, against Buffalo. And I just think they're going to do it again. I just think the Washington defense can give Andy Dalton all kinds of problems. And last one, who knows if it's going to get played. I just got word here, by the way, as we're taping that Adam Thielen was placed in the COVID-19 protocol as well. Neil, uh, we got Baltimore. We have Pittsburgh. No Dobbins, no Ingram. They may play it. If they do, what do you think here with the big rivalry, Steelers and, and Ravens? See, I do. You know, I, I, I'm a contributor for Ravens. Why? So I may be contractually obliged to sing their praises, but I can't. Because every week this year, I've tried to be optimistic. I said they were going to beat the Chiefs by double digits. You know, this, this is obviously a, a, a long time ago. I just think one of these teams knows what it is and knows what it wants to do, and the other one is broken. Uh, so I cannot, in all conscience, go with anyone other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I just think Lamar Jackson, as a runner, is still electric. It's still a joy to watch. He just, you know, he glides. He's one of the best pure runners in the NFL. But the passing game, it's terrible. Uh, Marquise Brown comes out and complains, you know, that he, he only got two targets against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, and since then has done absolutely nothing. You know, and you know, you've got to, you've got to live up to your end of the bargain, mate. If you're going to, you know, piss and moan, you have to catch the ball. You have to do things. Um, losing J.K. Dobbins is, you know, it's it's a hammer blow. Um, they've, it's really weird that if you'd said to a team, you're really going to miss Hayden Hurst this year. You, you think the yep. would be laughing at you, but at times last year they were lining up with Mark Andrews, Hurst, and Nick Boyle. And now this year they went with, we'll just have Boyle and Andrews, and it didn't help. 
and it really hurt the running game. Then they lose Boyle and they bring in Luke Double L Wilson. Well, he's no great shakes at this stage of the game either. So they just don't seem to have enough horses for me on offense. So I don't. I think Pittsburgh will be able to keep the score down to an extent that they can score more than they're prepared to allow Baltimore. So I don't think it's going to be one for the purists. It's not going to be a, you know, the air isn't going to be filled with footballs. Well, it might be, but you've got Ben Roethlisberger, who if he throws the ball more than 10 yards, it's being propelled by hope rather than expectation. And you've got Lamar Jackson, who is thrown to people who can't catch it. So uh, it's not going to be one for the passing game aficionados, but I'm going to have to take the Steelers. Folks, Neil Dutton, I mean, maybe the most enjoyable hour I've had of this podcast this year. Must follow on Twitter at ndutton13. Look at his work. Great job. He's at Rotoviz, of course, with us. Number fire, Roto Underworld. He contributes at the Ravens Wire, and he's one half of that waxing lyrical podcast, which definitely give a listen to as well. Neil, always a pleasure, man. Killing it. Funny as always. Great stuff. Enjoy the games, my friend, as we try to stay safe in this uh, crazy year. Absolutely. And as I say, happy Thanksgiving to you and your fellow ungrateful colonials. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.